Today, we're joined by Sunny Yang, who's currently doing a level seven apprenticeship in accounting and finance at EY. Hi, Sunny. Great to have you on today. Thank you for having me. Now, Sunny's had a very interesting journey into his apprenticeship, which we'll explore. So I think the first question, which we like to start with, is take me back to what you were doing in school, Sunny. What careers were you thinking of and what subjects were you studying before, you know, you fell into the world of apprenticeships? Wow. Um, where do I start? So at school, I was I was doing everything. I was I was interested in everything. As part of the Air Cadets, I got to go flying. Um, I was badminton. Um, I then became quite high level fencer. Um, and I actually wanted to become a professional fencer. Um, believe it or not, that was one of my goals in life. Um, I then, you know, decided to take a gap year after I chose all of my universities. And my friend asked, well, why have you chosen these universities? And I said, well, they've got great fencing clubs. <laughs> didn't, 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 didn't worry Get about your the priorities degrees. straight. That's the main um, thing. Put yourself first. Choose your yeah. interests. Don't let no one. The worst case scenario, you'll get your rapier out and go do them. London yeah. style. Oh. Exactly. Um, and obviously, I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't stupid. I, I, even I thought, wow, should I really be choosing uni for this? Um, so I decided. You know, I, I went into a competition in Hungary, um, came back and the whole country went into lockdown because um, of coronavirus. I had competitions planned. I was going to, you know, train, you know, try out as a year as an athlete. I then realized, oh, that's not what I want to do. This is probably one of the hardest jobs in the world. In, and, you know, in terms of like what I believed in, I just couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. um it was it was very difficult being an athlete but also the statistics were just horrendous you can get your funding cut at any time there was so many factors that you couldn't control the injuries you know before you got into like big competitions or olympics the amount of money is it's a costly sport because you know it's not just bring yourself to the competition you have to bring a coach you know physio cardio it's the same with um boxing i've been boxing now for over a year and a half i plan to do my first amateur fight end of mm. next year all for charity and i one it's dedication but also it's a lot of luck mm. like no matter how good you are if you haven't got the right team around you it's things so you've gone through all that you've had a bit of a wake-up call then i'm gathering you've you know you've discovered a degree apprenticeship and well, a degree level apprenticeship, let's get that right. For everyone watching, you don't actually need an accounting degree to become an accountant because uh, you're not really registered. And uh, all the degree apprenticeships in accounting are actually called degree level because they're level seven, which is master's. So technically, they should be called a master's apprenticeship if we're being smart about it. Yeah, and I think I would really want to touch on that because I also did a finance apprenticeship and I had no clue about that. Um, and Sunny, what do you wish you knew about like becoming an accountant when you were 16 to 18 that you now know which you feel like oh my god why did nobody tell me this sooner so much um i actually discovered ey and deloitte and the accounting apprenticeships a lot later i originally still wanted my law degree my friends at uni called me up was like don't don't come here it's horrible it's basically a netflix subscription that you're paying like nine grand a year it's all <laughs> it's all online and you know even the food's delivered to your door and i'm biohazard suits or something um i just thought wow that's like the modern version of like 
prison. <laughs> you know, literally. Swedish prison more so, <laughs> yeah, right? Because they can they get the room and get everything. You're just paying for it. They get it for free. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it was horrendous. And I thought, well, that's not really what I want to do. And am I sure that I want to go into law? My dad's a lawyer. He used to take me to like, meetings and stuff. But am I sure? Uh, I know my brother was quite sure he wants to go into law. He became an accountant. Um, and, you know, what I actually realized was that I really, really liked company law. I liked the company side of things. So I thought, you know what, let's try this accountancy program. I got, I got the offer. Everyone around me, my community said, why, why aren't you going to uni? Do a degree. And, you know, especially coming from an Asian community, mm-hmm. you know, they believe it's, it's a production line of school, good degree, good university, good job. That's not the case. And I think, you know, so many people don't realize that that's not the case. Like, you know, an apprenticeship puts you three years ahead of your cohort. You know, you do the same qualification, you do the same work and you get paid roughly the same. I mean, sure, grads at the start get paid a few thousand more, but they're also three years behind. So you're taking the same qualification at the same time, you know, you know, three years later for them yep. is is a lot of time wasted for a few grand. And, and they have like 50K plus student debt, which is like- <laughs> They yeah, are, room, right? I, I can get onto that. They have a huge amount of student debt. 70,000, may we add right now. Mm. Uh, the census come out not so long ago that any universe, well, any student starting university as of September, 2023 with the new interest rate on the loans, on average, we'll be paying about £70,000 with all the accumulated interest over 40 years. You'll be paying that off your whole life. And also what they've done, um, they've made it so that, oh, you know, you repay it back uh, when you earn less money, which means, oh, I can pay your debt off faster. No, that means that the you're earning less money, say, because now the other jobs in the world are going to be like, okay, well, we'll lower it a bit. We'll pay them less. They care about paying their debt back. So you're earning like two, three hundred pounds less a month, and then you're student debt is going to be paid out of that so really you're losing like 500 pounds a month give or take on a lot of entry-level jobs and you don't have to be an accountant to figure that out (laughs) (laughs) isn't that amazing yes (laughs) but i think i think the saddest thing is is that at school i I went to a grammar school where you know at the start of the year the the head of sick form was like put your hand up if you're interested in an apprenticeship so you can't blame them for not advertising it two people out of 160 students put their hands up you know, then you say, okay, so what's the point of us advertising it to two people? Mm. You know, when you've got the other 158 students to worry about, you know, it's not it's not Oxford or Cambridge where it's a class of like five or six, you know. You, you have to you have to go with the majority, especially when it's such a huge majority. And teachers always said, Oh, you'll love your time at uni. Don't worry about the debt. It's not debt at all. You know, when I say stuff like that, I'm just like, okay, well, I'm also not a financial advisor. Please do not take this as financial advice or you get sued. But when teachers say that, people seem to take it as gospel. But last time I checked, none of my teachers at school were qualified financial advisors. And if you took this debt of £70,000 to a financial advisor, they'd be like, no. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's just it's just a bit of debt. It's fine. You and can it's just a bit of debt. You can pay it off in free like you do with Klarna. It's fine. Not a stress at all. And they say, oh, don't worry. So not actual debt. Well, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. okay, so is that considered in your mortgage applications? 
yes it is because you're you're assessed on like how much you would be able to afford to give back so yeah technically it does sure you don't have to pay it back until you earn a certain amount above threshold i think it's like 22 grand if yep. i'm right now, yeah. but people forget the what's it 10 or 12 percent interest rate on the current loans yeah and like with seven percent they want to like go up every single year and that's going to compound exactly it's like having a really really bad mortgage very Obviously. much so and the fact that you have to pay it back after the 22 grand really doesn't do you any justice because you know i think it's 10 percent right mandatory that you have to pay back over that amount that and can i just say as well right for everyone watching this if you have a degree level apprenticeship in accounting or just a degree apprenticeship high chance you're going to get paid more than 22 grand to start with so exactly. you would finish your degree say that you know world changes right you know you do english literature and no one's actually writing with a quill anymore they're actually <laughs> using chat gpt and you have to go work in tesco then uh yeah you'll find that a degree apprenticeship will pay you more and guess what you're not in the debt so tell me what is it like hater i know you've done yours yeah um what is it like doing your accounting qualification and who are you doing it with can i just say one thing before that back to your last point is that you know as an accountant i know that people like to plan loads of complicated things, but they don't consider the easiest numbers, which is if you pay off 10% over 22 grand, if your starting salary, let's say you've got 70K debt, is not 92K a year straight out of university, you are not going to pay that debt back. That debt is going to increase. Mm -hmm. Accumulate. Yeah, it's going to accumulate yeah, yeah. over time. Right. So if you think that you know going to university is still worthwhile which i understand or, or you know money's probably not an issue right if you are confident that you can get a salary of 92 grand a year as soon as you come out of uni mm -hmm. then i would say why not go to uni i say that very sarcastically <laughs> um but you know if if you did you'd certainly be a very smart individual in which case you could probably get into some of the best apprenticeships that are offered yep. where yeah. you probably get paid way more. Mm -hmm. And a lot, a lot of these, I mean, these accounting qualifications are internationally recognized as well. So a lot of people are not necessarily working in the UK after completing these apprenticeships as well. It opens up uh, multiple doors, even outside of the UK for people who want to, you know, take their skills elsewhere as well. So yeah, going back to Carla's earlier question, tell us a bit about, I guess, um, how your apprenticeship setup works, who you study with, and yeah, how are you finding it so far? Yeah, oh, great. <laughs> but so my apprenticeship setup works, basically, this apprenticeships run alongside this professional qualification. That's key is that they aren't really together. They are kind of together but you get a level seven apprenticeship and you get the qualification. Now, for me, at least, that qualification is worth way more than the apprenticeship is, but you get both of them at the same time. Mm -hmm. And realistically, it's not the endpoint assessment that you have to worry about as much. It's the world-class qualification, which is quite difficult, yeah. but achievable. So could you tell the viewers at home, what is the difference between, say, AQA, I think the one you're doing, right? Uh, ACA. ACA. ACA, sorry. ACA uh, level seven, you know, compared to doing a degree. You, what is the big difference between you've done this qualification and someone's done an accounting degree? How does that set you apart from them? Yeah, so what, you do, what, you, what people don't understand is that an accounting degree 
is actually not a qualifying degree, which means you don't actually get that qualification, which means, you know, even after you spent three years at university, and my brother did this, he did accounting mm -hmm. and finance up until master's level, he still had to then train an accounting firm for three or four years to get that, well, he did an ACCA degree, right? And, you know, those, those professional qualifications, they require three or four years of work experience. Yep. They also require you to take, you know, 10 to 15 quite difficult exams. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't actually know how many it is for SEMA, but I suspect. R roughly around the same. It yeah. was, I mean, because I did a level four AAT and then moved up to mm. level seven SEMA. In total, I did about 20 exams. Um, so I think with SEMA, it was about 12 if you'd started from coming to an AAT previously but yeah lots of exams basically it is, it is yeah lots of exams. exams and very tough exams as well because if, if it goes to master's degree level it is academically challenging and that's exactly why I wanted mm -hmm. to pick that kind of caliber of apprenticeship as well because I knew I'd be getting the best of both worlds. I'd be being pushed academically using all my you know A's and A stars sort of mindset revision techniques and things like that but also getting practical work experience too yeah yeah which is fantastic um I took a very different path because two years on from that, um, I then changed jobs within my firm mm -hmm. and they said uh, I became a corporate tax advisor um, rather than working in audit and financial services. Um, and my team said to me, you know, if you want a CTA, which is a, you know, qualified tax um, qualification as well, we'll pay for you to do those exams. Now, each of those exams, you know, the study period and the exams itself is about three to four grand. So mm. you can imagine, you know, with the 15, 20 yeah, yeah, exams, yeah. that's a hefty amount if you aren't getting sponsored by your firm. Yeah. Right. But I had the option to incorporate that. Mm -hmm. So I'm now doing two sets of professional qualifications, which most people don't even do one. Yeah. Um, and that adds a massive salary boost you know onto your you know, personal worth mm -hmm. and it's it's hugely beneficial in terms of like business knowledge etc you get taught in law you get taught in tax you get taught in business management systems you know different different qualifications yeah. will do something different yeah. but you know these people who have these qualifications you know a while ago they did a research thing and it was 14 CEOs in the FTSE 100 mm -hmm. had an ACA qualification, I think two for SEMA and yeah. one for ICAS. Absolutely. Um, 14 for ACA was more than any university degree that was shared between the FTSE So from going off what you're saying from a complete outside perspective, why would you go and do a accounting degree at a university? Because to me, it's just like a ticket to get into a nightclub, right? Which is the firm you're going to, and then you're gonna have to stay there. So you, with a degree apprenticeship, you basically are springboarding, you're on the fast track, you're cutting the line, going through the fast track. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's it's key to, so in that situation, the advice I actually got from someone uh, who was an accountant was that if you do want to go to university, do everything but accounting because like it will give you more of an edge. Like for example, it's better to, for example, like have, I don't know, like a, a chemistry degree, and then you will just apply for the same training as like someone with accounting and finance, except you've 
you've got a chemistry background and like an accounting and finance background. Whereas just doing accounting hardcore for three years and then doing accounting exams, it's it's almost like duplication in a way because because you lack the experience. Well, you could argue to make it easier, right? You could argue that, oh, I've done three years in this. So then when I go to the firm, maybe I won't have the real world practical knowledge with the upcoming exams, there'll be a breeze. Or would you then say, Sonny, that the, you know, a, a ACA, QA qualification you're doing is harder than doing the degree itself or are they the same caliber 100 percent harder okay that the aca is harder than the degree really it's a master's level but interesting to say that i've done a lot of research because um i'm the current chair for the chartered accountant student society of london the youngest and the first chinese chair in the last 150 years um which that's is, amazing by the way yeah I just wanna, kudos to you as that. an apprentice to be in that position as well on top of all the other things you're doing is not easy so i just want to give like kudos yeah and say another opportunity there at 21 years old here i was managing a registered charity that had a quarter of a million in investments and in the bank and that's on company's house by the way so you can you can fact check that you know we get reviewed independently every year because the scale of the business mm-hmm. um and it's been around for quite a long time but um back back to what i was saying um what kind was saying which is why um i can't think of any reason i mean in fact i actually wanted to do law degrees um when i went to university solely yeah. because the accounts degree didn't offer that much now uh there are degrees that exist right now and i know queen mary is one of the universities that do them that they do some ACA exams mm-hmm. with their degree, but they don't do all of the ACA exa- exams. And how these exams work is that basically you've got certificate level, professional level, and advanced level. And the advanced level exams, the last few exams, they're also the harder yep. level exams. So it does get harder year upon year. Um, they do the first few and say, look, you get 10 exemptions. Well, actually the five exams that you're taking are probably the most challenging ones out out of them mm-hmm. so you know the the 10 the 10 exemptions you get you you can probably do those exams i know pwc do those exams within the first five months or six months yes, that's quick and, and remember people forget apprenticeship you actually get a lot of special treatment you know mm. You come in with a degree, you're going to have like this prerequisite of like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. So here's a boatload of work. Here's a boatload of exams. Knock your head off. And that's going to be very, very mentally struggling, at least with the, you can pull the apprenticeship card, as we call it. But in this case, you actually need to, to say, hey, look, I need support. And as well, let's get this right. You're working with people who have most likely done these exams. All right. They might have, the syllabus might have changed over the years, but Mm. the core fundamentals are there. So you can actually ask some questions like, hey, I'm struggling with this. The better than being in front of a room full of other university kids who are like, oh, okay, oh, what do I do? Yeah. I think the biggest question that I was asked, I think, and I think I read this somewhere else, so it wasn't really asked, but I read it, was that what, what would you rather do? And I think, yeah, it's Robert Kiyosaki. He wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he asked this question, which was, you know, where would you rather be studying? With a lecturer who probably gets 60 to 100K a year or someone who's earning their millions at one of these top firms that can be your mentor. Partners at EY average out about a million a year. Yeah. You know, so, you know, if you if you want to go for the pure education side or the learning side, mm-hmm. who's going to teach you more about accounting and finance? I can guarantee you pick 
10 people off the street, they are going to say, I would rather work with someone who's a partner at a big company. I Maybe back in the day, but we're in the age where with OpenAI, information is becoming a lot more accessible. So I, I don't know why someone would choose that. Again, there are some academics. Well, you're an academic. As in like the, the caliber of students who go for these. Yeah, you, you are. I'm not. As in like, so for example, having that academic background to me is an advantage <clears> because like Sonny said, these exams are so hard, especially the last exams, mate, I was struggling. Like they are hard. They are not, they're not for everyone. That's why you need to be almost very sure that that is a career for you. And I think touching on accounting as a career, what are some stereotypes you'd like to debunk, Sonia? Because I know I a lot of people say, oh, but accounting is boring. You're not working on anything exciting. Like, why would you want to train as an accountant? You're on first. What would you like to share based on your experience to kind of shatter a lot of the stereotypes about, you know, oh, you're just going to be like number crunching alone and it's boring and you won't get any, you know, exciting opportunities as an accountant? I'm going to say something controversial. Okay, go on. Um, two things, actually. One thing I just remembered is that I've seen very few people in my firm, which is a big four firm, with an accounting degree. Um, most have like law degrees or you know, chemistry degrees even. Second is that no one goes into accounting wanting to be an accountant. <laughs> I think that is probably the most controversial thing. But, you know, I, I remember hearing that and I was like, surely not. But actually, no. They, they don't, you know, um, accounting teaches you something fundamental about life, which is how to manage money, how to run a business, mm -hmm. how to keep something alive and how to be financially responsible, which is so key if you want to be successful in your career. I mean, stuff they should teach in schools, yeah. right? Yeah. Like Rishi, Rishi comes out and says, we need our kids to learn more math. And I'm like, I'm all for that. But what math are they teaching you? Would you say then like, you know, I'm an advocate for this. Again, complete outside. I failed my GCSE maths three times, got it on the fourth attempt, right? Would you say that it's like required, it should be for all these extra math hours to learn some basic business and accounting skills then to prepare yourself? Because that's what I'm getting from this. Again, I'm going to say something something controversial. and it's, Speak it's, your mind. It's, Speak it's, your mind. it's probably because like, I, I mean, I, I grew up most of my life in, in, in the UK, but I'm very close to people from China. You know, I used to go back there all the time. My dad works there. I've got, most of my family is there. In fact, only my brother is here. Mm -hmm. um, my brother was also educated in China. The UK wants to compete with the rest of the world in this made up metric of how education should be measured should be emphasis should be, should be should be measured um now kids in china they wake up probably five or six they start school at about seven or eight they end school at about 6 p.m and before uh president xi jinping um made it you know the check tightened the laws about like private tuition and stuff they would study until about nine ten in private one-to-one -one classes or, or, you know, batch together till 10, 11, you know, go to sleep at 12 and wake up again at six the next day or 5.30, depending on where you are. They are definitely gonna have a better education in maths or language than we are in the UK, just because it doesn't take a genius to work out that the sheer amount that you, you will get in your education in your mm. early years cannot compare, Yeah. right? But 
we seem to be flogging this dead horse of, you know, going, but we need to compete with these countries. Well, you know, we've got something that's very special to us. America's got something that's very special to them, which is, um, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the all right word, but they install like this level of independence amongst their um, students where they go, you know, explore, go coding, go do tech. You can't fit that into your like 6 a.m. to no, yeah. 10, 10 p.m. schedule you know, if you're just hardcore studying maths and languages and stuff. Credit to them, you know, China's now got a very well-educated population. Yeah. But that's not something we can replicate in the UK. I'm So I was homeschooled from the age of 12. My mum took me out of school because, in honestly, the British education system failed me personally. And I went back and get all my A-level qualifications to the equivalent and how I've got my degree apprenticeship. I think it's a systemic change. I don't think you could put... You can't say to someone who's gone to school for the last eight years of their life, they might be like 15, oh, okay, um, yeah, you're waking up and doing these extra two hours, or now school finishes at five. It's You can't really do that. I feel like it's something you'll have to bring in to people who just might be starting secondary school. You've got to gradually do it. You can't force it. I do agree, though, that we should have more maths. Maths not being algebra, right, quadratic equations, you know, not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about actual real-world valuable skills here. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Something something fundamental and something that's useful for life, certainly, and maths does go into that. I mean, it, it is worrying when you see some people that, you know, can't do the basic times tables and, you know, you should, you should be able to, I, I personally believe. But that's not <laughs> secondary school algebra. No. You know, you're, you're probably never going to use that. Mm. You know, in life, I can 100% agree. I don't go into work in accounting and finance and go, you know what? I need trigonometry to solve this tax mm. problem. Mm. Um, not the case. But yeah, I think, you know, there should be a basic maths foundation, basic mm. English foundation, just to teach people how to read and write. I think that's true. But we have this freedom and the UK has this fantastic education system already. I think it gets downplayed a bit, which is you get to choose what A-levels you take mm. in Asian countries. You don't have much choice at all. I chose philosophy, maths, English, literature, and economics. Um, philosophy was philosophy, religious studies, and ethics. I also did two BTECs on the side in sport just because. Yeah, the fencing, right? Yeah, Which is what you were doing, yeah. Government-sponsored program where, you know, during like, term, um, you know, the holiday times, yeah. I could do competitions and I could get lectured by some of the best physios or coaches in the world. Um, in the UK, certainly, um, that was all government sponsored. What, edu what, what I don't want is universities now to go. Look, if you're going to do a law degree, you have to do English, you have to do history, you have to do essay subjects, and you have to do this, this, and this, because you don't get a full education. I believe that you need a very fulfilled full education of doing things that you are really interested in, because that's where we get our advantage compared to other countries. I, I solidly believe in that. Apprenticeships are the same. Mm. It's not, you have to learn this, you have to learn. Sure, you have to do professional qualifications, yep. but you get to work with different clients. Yep. You get to work in the banking industry. You get to work with companies. You get to see how they operate. That is a full, a full education. You get to talk to very, very successful people, CEOs and the partners, of course. Yep. In casual conversation, you will learn something 
you know? Definitely. And that's not, you know, pe people think I, I do an apprenticeship, therefore I don't study. Mm. Well, no, like I, I study every day, probably harder than most people. Yeah. And the key thing is um, you're given that free pass almost to explore your curiosity. Mm. For example, like even on my finance apprenticeship, I got to choose which placements I was interested in and I wanted to work in. So you can really take your career in your own direction. You don't have to be pigeonholed exactly. into working. And you clearly did that with the the, the tax side of things, right? Mm. It was an area you wanted to explore. And now you're getting an additional internationally recognized qualification off the back of it, which is just... It's like a massive networking opportunity in itself. Like, of course, the work, to be honest, the work is and is not important. I feel like it is really your connections. And I think that's where a lot of university students can go wrong is being too academic or too sheltered can be a very big disadvantage. Into um, one niche yes. specialized subject. Yes, I'm I'm that's what I'm pretty much trying to say. Which is fair enough yeah. if you want to, you know, if you do a history degree and you love the Cold War between a certain date and mm. a certain date. Fair enough. If you want to drop out of that, that's going to be very challenging. Of course. I, I believe. Right. But this brings me to one of the saddest things that I ever I ever hear. Um and this like breaks my heart honestly every time i hear it because i i advocate apprenticeships you know uh, quite a lot um because apprenticeships have done so much for me i have you know sit form students they come up to me and they say i don't know what i want to do in life therefore i'm going to go to university and that mm -hmm. will give me time to think about it yeah. no that will give you 70k in debt because finally enough i do career talks for grads as well mm. and i do career fairs um just because ey gives us the opportunity to do so i've also done interviews with people um and one of the shockingly the most common things i hear is i don't actually know what i want to do so i hear that sick form so they choose to go to uni then i hear that again when they finish uni. And then they go to their masters and then before you know it, you're in more debt. And then, then you think, well, what can I do? Or you know what? This is a bit of uh, controversial. Then I'll become a teacher because I don't know nothing else. Oh, then the government doesn't pay me. Oh, now I don't want to, now I don't know what I really want to do. So guess what? Um, I'm not going to be able to teach the next generation the full amount of what to do. It's a perpetual cycle that unfortunately it's not, I reckon it is going to go away, but I reckon it's conversations like this that's going to really shine some light on that subject. Probably get a bit of backlash, but at the same time, it's it's good to be honest. Like, you can't dedicate yourself to one whole thing. It's better to wear many hats than one. And you know what? We was at the Multicultural Apprenticeship Awards um, on Thursday in Birmingham. All three of us were. And um, uh, Safar, which was uh, the founder of the Multicultural Apprenticeship Award, said that he wants it to be so that you can go to your family and say, I am doing an apprenticeship, and it holds, if not more weight than going to university. That's what I believe everyone who advocates for apprentices or apprenticeships, that's the end goal. Yeah, like university has become this snooze button, sadly, in society of like, uh, I'm panicked, don't know what to do, university. And I think that's why I see a lot of students reach out to me in particular, who are basically looking for apprenticeships whilst in their first year of university. Mm. And that's why I always give the advice that a gap year where you've really thought about what you want to do is not a bad idea at all, because there's no financial like consequences associated with that decision. And touching on what you said earlier, Sonia, I do think accounting teaches you a lot of kind of financial literacy by default because of the the nature of the industry but the average person doesn't really get that education unfortunately and it can hold people you know really back back and 
your point around giving people a free pass to explore their interests i really really agree with um i don't feel like you should just be shoehorned into like three particular subjects because you're interested in a particular career i do think you will perform best in something you're actually curious about like for example people might ask me like why did you do a level biology if you you know trained as an accountant it's like well because i was interested in science and fundamentally i did like really well because i had a genuine passion for the subject not everything needs to translate into a career. I agree with that. But at the same time, don't just get into something without thinking it through, particularly when there are, you know, financial complications exactly consequences, associated yeah. with that. And, and I live by everything that I say. So, um, you know, for GCSE, uh, for A-levels, I dropped everything that I got an A-star and an A in to do subjects that I really wanted. I got, um, a, I think it's like a six and a seven in... English literature and English language. I got the six in English literature, which was a B. I then wanted to do that for A-level because I showed a genuine interest for yeah. literature. I later found out at EY that I actually had dyslexia, which is probably why I struggled with the spelling and you know, the writing coherently as I did. But I really liked reading books. And honestly, that just made me like reading books more. And they have become massive teachers and lessons in my lifetime but now i want to give like probably i think the most important advice i think this is to sick form students um that this podcast you know i, I hope that they are watching is what would you because at 18 years old i didn't know what i wanted to do in my life sure i wanted to be a lawyer because my dad was a lawyer but i honestly didn't know the first thing about going to going into law and i had an internship at a law firm um right so you know, what's going to teach you more about what you're going to decide to do with the rest of your life? Is it going to uni and learning about a subject that you've chosen? Or is it going to a professional services firm? And I say professional services firm in particular, because you get access to a lot of clients. So I've got like 15 clients on the go at the moment. Some are in pharmaceuticals, some are in sports, some are in, you know, technology, some are in like you know, research and bunch of wonderful things. I get to talk to their CEOs. I get to talk to their staff and I get to, you know, see what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Surely that is going to be the moment, if any, of going, I like what he's doing. And can I just say as well, you're going to get someone that's going to say, oh, you're just lucky. I said, well, not really, because you were just applied like everyone else. You didn't have your dad that, well, you might have been a lawyer, but you didn't go into law. You purposely tried to say, no, I didn't want to do that. I went and done you know, well, look, counting of finance and tax instead. So, well, I just want to say thank you very much. That was a really, really good point. I can see why you're successful. For anyone that wants to find you and everything you're associated with, where can they find you? Um, Probably on LinkedIn. And, you know, feel free to ask me any questions. I'm always around. Um, there's, you know, so much that I do, you know, this, this brings particular interest with me because, you know, bringing up the next generation of, people like myself who were confused you know who were from you know probably a herd or a tribe that you know were advised differently according to traditional norms when you know every year is different yeah um you know come and ask me questions and i will tell you truthfully because i've experienced them i see more than most i'd like to believe because i see the lives of seven thousand ECA students in London, most of them are grads. A lot of them are apprentices. In fact, all of them are apprentices under the apprenticeship yeah, yeah. scheme. Um, 
and I see their lives and I, I see, you know, how they progress. And I've spoken, you know, my mentor is actually the first black female president of the London Accounting Society. That's amazing. Um, and I get regular contacts. Um, in fact, the president of Castle, which is the Chartered Accountant Student Society that I am chair of, um, he's actually the president of ICAW next year. Awesome. So, you know, if anything, these guys have been a lot around a lot. They know what they're doing and they constantly advise me. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Not only are you doing brilliantly in your own right with everything you've, you know, accomplished on your apprenticeship and navigating the world of work and deciding what's best for you, you're actively finding opportunities to make it easier for the next, you know, generation of talent, which is exactly what we're passionate about. And it's exactly why we started this podcast, really. We want to get stories like Sunny's out there so people can see that university is not the only option. And particularly if you feel like you're just doing it to hit that snooze button, there are lots of opportunities out there and really great ways to learn. And an apprenticeship is just one of the examples and particularly, you know, in accounting and finance in a professional services uh, firm. So I just want to say thank you so much uh, for listening to uh, today's episode and we can't wait to uh, have uh, another exciting guest that you'll hear from thanks for watching the apprentice go podcast new episodes will be available every friday at 5 p.m gmt if you enjoyed then please leave a like and make sure to rate us five stars it's been your host carlo take care